This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, March 30th. And this is your 4x5 episode, four writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will look at the latest on some notable Portland Trailblazers and Orlando Magic when it comes to trying to win our fantasy leagues here in late March. This is what it comes down to. Plus, we will look ahead to next season for some current rookies, and we'll take a few minutes to preview the Final Four. All that and more is coming up over the next 20-something minutes as we welcome in Ryan Knauss. Ryan, you weren't here last week, I think, but welcome back. It's great to have you. That's all I got. What, what's on your mind? What uh, what would you like to talk to me about today? Uh, I, I figured we could jump right in. I wanted to talk about Wendell Carter Jr. and the state of the Magic front court in particular. So generally speaking, to to set the stage, Wendell Carter Jr. missed two games with a ankle and mostly a wrist injury prior to returning on Monday. Mm-hmm. He had a great line. He was ruled out a day in advance of Wednesday's game. So this injury has been dragging on for a week. He returned. Now he's out again. So my question to you to start it is that we're talking about a 22 year old player, first of all. So this is not a typical shutdown right. candidate. But do you feel that this is where this is headed? I mean, the Magic have no incentive to win games. They're currently in a three way tie for the right. worst record in the league with the Pistons and Rockets, all of whom are at 20 and 56 as we record this. So losing games is basically the M.O. for Orlando right now. Uh, Carter is their right. leading rebounder. He's their third leading scorer. He's second on the team in player efficiency rating behind Mo Wagner. Point being, he's almost too good to have out there right now. So, you know, if you're looking at him in a roto situation or, you know, a head-to-head that goes to the bitter end, are you extremely shaky right now? Or are you just cutting him and, and moving on? Or what's your what's your approach? I mean, I would say anyone who gets injured at this point, you have to start thinking along that, those lines, right? With how few games are left, like yeah. this could be it. Even like a minor thing, you know? So yeah, I, I think you have to be willing to be ruthless. I, I mean, I try to avoid cutting like a Wendell Carter Jr. I, I have Christian Wood in one league where I'm trying to win and I haven't cut him yet, even though we, are, we know he's already out. But I mean, yeah, it, it, any any injury at this point threatens to be season ending, I'd say. So you got to be pretty concerned. But it's been a really good season for Wendell Carter Jr., to your point. It has. So yeah, let's let's just talk about that real quick. He's been a top 80 guy in 9-cat this season, which is something I personally didn't see coming. I was kind of high on him the year prior, mm-hmm. never got going in Chicago, was better once he got to Orlando, but hadn't done enough for me to really want to reach for him in drafts. And then on top of that, we had the potential return of Jonathan Isaac, Obviously, him being out all season has massively helped Carter Jr. So I guess looking to next season, again, I mentioned he's 22 years old, having a career year. Are you expecting a repeat performance or does the return of Isaac next year, is that enough to put you off Carter Jr.? I mean, for for whatever reason, for better or for worse, I don't really worry about Isaac Hmm. when it comes to Wendell Carter Jr., you know, and I guess I don't I'm not I don't know. Let's worry about Isaac when he actually makes it back on the court. I mean, you have to think that happens <laughs> yeah. next season, but we also thought it was going right. to happen this season, you know? I mean, 
I like Isaac. He's still an exciting, you know, player who's pretty young. But I mean, I don't know. Wendell Carter Jr. seems like a, a legit building block for them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more block shots from him. But I mean, 1.1 made threes this year. He gets some assists for a big guy. There's plenty to like. What what happens for you, though? Let's say he is done. What happens for you? What's the fallout there with him being out? Rest of season, I mean, Mo, Mo Bamba is an obvious winner um, already rostered. Right. Season long, so that's just a, you know, more a palatable guy to target in DFS. You got Chuma Okiki, who's been starting games without Carter Jr. and is averaging a lot more minutes. I think 7.3 minutes more as a starter this year, uh, up to 30.4 minutes as a starter. That's a 30% increase in playing time compared to when he comes off the bench. So that's a, a huge jump and is enough for me to not only target him in DFS more, but also potentially just stream him, pick him up. He's available in most waiver wires. So if you need steals, especially, mm-hmm. he's a guy who could win you that category with a good game or two. Uh, so Okiki for sure. And then even Mo Wagner. I mean, Robin Lopez has been in the rotation lately. Don't ask me why, but it seems like if Carter Jr. misses more time, Mo Wagner is a a likely guy to step up and fill the void as well. Um, so he'd also be a great DFS target potentially. That all makes sense. I'm just looking at Mo Wagner's recent game log. A couple good games in his last three. And Okiki has been a little hit or miss lately um, after kind of getting hot. His shooting has been mostly miss. Well, so we got uh, how much time left? We got about 45 seconds left between us. Did you have any other stray magic thoughts? Any any other observations on this team as you take over this? Just to follow up on on looking ahead, because you, your point about Isaac potentially not returning next year is a good one and a much easier case to make after we saw him, you know, just sit out this whole year. Uh, I, I think this might boil down to, it's a pretty boring take, but it might just depend what happens with Mo Bamba in restricted free agency. Uh, Mm -hmm. Magic can give him a $22 million qualifying offer and then they're in the driver's seat. If they do bring back Bamba, personally, then I'm more concerned about Isaac because it does look like like he should return next year. We can't discount that possibility and there are only a certain amount of minutes in a front court that is suddenly bristling with options, especially if Franz Wagner's getting minutes at the four. A lot of bodies to fit into one rotation. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't mean to imply like I don't think Isaac's coming back next year. I just meant when it comes to creating... yes, you did, Matt. You're on record. (laughs) A log jam in the front court. I'm going to worry about... I'm going to cross that bridge when we get there is all I meant. And by the way, uh, that's it. But we have more Orlando Magic talk to come momentarily. So uh, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you and say hello to Raf. So um, goodbye. Okay, very well. Raf, hello. There were two guys on your agenda, and I think we have to keep this seamless with uh, the Orlando Magic chatter. And a guy we really didn't talk about, Ryan mentioned Mo Wagner about nine times just now, but no Franz Wagner. So uh, what what you got? We need to talk about Franz. Yeah, we do. He's been in the starting lineup every game this season for the Magic, and he's been a top 100 player, nine cap. Consistency has been the, the key word for him. He's been very good across the board throughout the season. Like a little over 15 points, 4.6 boards, 3.0 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, 1.23s, and just 1.6 turnovers per game. He's got pretty good shooting splits, too about 47% from the field, 86% from the foul line. He only takes about three per game, but it's good that he's making him at a good clip. So he's not really hurting you there if you have a percentage category for free throw percentage. And I think my question with an eye towards next year, mm-hmm. where should fantasy managers kind of target him? Like, I don't, I have a hard time putting him within the top 100 because of the Jonathan Isaac yeah. question. 
But I don't, I kind of feel like with that, he may end up being undervalued a bit in fantasy drafts ahead of next season. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, I don't know if this is a perfect comparison, but a little bit of a Mikel Bridges phenomenon here mm-hmm. where like yeah. he's kind of the quint- quintessential really good fantasy glue guy who basically doesn't hurt you anywhere, mm-hmm. essentially, right? I mean, the defensive stats aren't great overall, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. But otherwise, I mean, there's really nothing to knock in this stat line, yeah. but there's also nothing where you say, man, I just got a huge lift in from Franz <laughs> Wagner this week with those mm-hmm. nine assists he got me. You know, so like, I think to me, yeah, I, I don't want to draft, you know, him inside the top 100, really, like you said. But I think anywhere outside there, I think that you're, you're looking at just a solid guy. And I do think you have to look at how you're drafting your team, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. don't draft too many safe guys like this because he really is more of a floor guy than a ceiling guy, I think, Raph. Yeah, I would say so. Like, you bring up Mikhail Bridges, it feels like a one or the other type situation. Where right. if you get Bridges in, like, the sixth or seventh round or something like that, and Franz should probably come off your board because even though there aren't guys that will that'll hurt you, you kind of need some explosive players. Those are the guys who tend to win leagues more so than the safe guys. So that's what I would say there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I am basically in agreement there with you. I think quickly I want to ask you about Franz. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a good defensive stats guy at Michigan. Yes. Do you think there's a chance we see a little uptick there as he as he kind of grows into that? I mean, could we see maybe 0.7 blocks? I don't know, you know, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, something like that, because that would also be a difference maker for me. I think we can. Um, you know, the, this season he's looked good, but getting used to a, a pro system in terms of hmm. the different schemes and matchups and whatnot, I think having a season under his belt will definitely help. And then also, if Isaac is healthy, that just takes their, their defensive capabilities as a group to another level, I think. So, you know, you look at a front court with Franz, Isaac, and, and Wendell Carter Jr., I think if you're Orlando, you have to like where you're sitting, and I think that would help Franz from a defensive standpoint when it comes to the stats. Yeah, it does make you wonder what the future is for Mobamba in Orlando. Yeah when you talk about those three guys being likely building blocks. You mentioned that qualifying offer. I have a hard time believing that Orlando is going to toss that kind of money at him. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, a couple minutes left. I want, uh, you wanted to talk about one other yes. rookie, so give me your thoughts on Jalen Green. Well, he got off to a slow start, and he had the injury. Uh, missed about a month from late November to late December, obviously. Um, but after the All-Star break, he's been – quite good. A little under yeah. 20 points per game, 3.7 boards, a little over three assists, 0.8 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.83 pointers. He's also not turned the ball over much. He's also 1.6 per game, shooting it well, 47% from the field, 38 from three. Free throw percentage is a bit low at 75, but I don't know, he's, top, he's about top 80 since the all-star break. And kind of wondering if top 80 is where people should kind of target him for next season or if that may be a bit too low. Yeah. I mean, to me, when you, when you consider what he's done uh, lately and that this guy just turned 20, there's a lot to like here, right? I mean, we're not real far from, you know, getting some boards, getting some assists already. We're not Mm -hmm. real far. One of those categories, like let's say he gets over one steal per game all of a sudden, you know, or 1.2 steals, just a little jump in one of those categories. And this guy's kind of a fantasy stud really with with a ton of ceiling. So, I'm into it in the middle rounds. I think anywhere in the 70, 80 range as of right now, if he's even there, like, could we even see him go earlier than that? That might be more of a steal than anything. Yeah. I think, I don't know if he's got, gets out of the top 60, to be honest with you. 
there you're kind of pushing it for me because there's going to be a lot of players I like in the top 60, yeah. but I will not look at someone mm-hmm. sideways if they take him there and say, what are you doing? I'll be like, ah, bummer. He's off my board yeah. now, you know? So I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think that, uh, man, considering the age, uh, quite a lot to like here. Agreed. All right, Raph, thanks as always, man. I will talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Yep, take care. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Wednesday, that's tonight. We're highlighting matchups between the Mavericks and Cavaliers, Magic and Wizards, and Kings and Rockets. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. And by the way, I am told that someone won $50,000 on last night's Pick and Roll Predictor contest in the Bulls-Wizards matchup. So that's pretty awesome. (laughs) As I welcome in Tom Casale. Tom, we're here to talk a little NCAA tournament. I'm not sure if you heard, but there's a big one this weekend. A... uh, a pretty big uh, Final Four matchup. It's Duke and UNC, first tournament meeting ever. Duke favored by four and a half points over at points bet. What are your thoughts, big picture, on this one? Yeah, I think both games are going to be pretty competitive. The you know, I my plan here is I might look to bet Duke live. I'd prefer if they were more around pick'em or minus one if North Carolina gets out to an early lead. I think I'm going to play it that way. Okay. I think Duke wins this game. Four and a half is a little much for me. UNC has been playing uh, the best basketball of any team in the tournament, you can argue. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I know people are upset that we haven't had a lot of buzzer beaters, a lot of close games. This is going to be a close game. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd look for in this game, too, Brady Mannix, uh three-point shots uh, made are two and a half. He shot 23s in two wow. games against Duke. He made 11. He shot 34 threes in this tournament through four games. So he's going to get eight to ten opportunities in this game. I really like that prop. Wow. Uh, Brady Manick over two and a half threes. Wow, yeah. Uh, that seems that seems uh, like a good call right there. How, and what about Manick? Like, I've been watching him play, and I'm thinking to myself, like, some, te- some NBA team is going gonna, is gonna to really value this guy, right, if not multiple. I mean, don't you think his draft stock is, is kind of – spiked here in a big way i do and he's uh he's somebody in the nba game i think that can do a lot of different things you know can go out and shoot the ball you know he's not going to be a power player down low but he can certainly play in the post 
if you need them. So, you know, fl- right. position flexibility, right? That's what you see that more in the pro game than you do in the college game. So, yeah, is he going to be a top 10 pick? No, but he's a guy that someone's going to get who sure. I think can be a valuable contributor for years. We're going to talk about the other Final Four matchup in a second, but I want to linger on this for a second and just talk individual players one more time. How impressed have you been by Paolo Bancaro in this tournament for Duke? It just seems like we're really starting to see what kind of player this guy could become at the next level. Yeah, so if you look at the guys who are, who are projected to be around that top pick, he, he's the one who's been the most impressive in the tournament. You know, Jabari yeah. Smith didn't play well in his last game. I don't think Holmgren did all that much uh, to make me think that he jumps off the page. So I think out of all those guys, Bancaro has really elevated his draft stock, and I, I have to believe he's in serious uh, conversations to be that top pick in the draft. Yeah, and with each passing game, it's just more for for uh, NBA executives to think about. In four tournament games, 18.5 points, seven rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.0 blocks, 2.03s. He's shooting that at a really high clip. And so, yeah. And Matt, you know, in the tournament, it's listen, it's not the end all, but one thing I look for in these like top players, now it's time for these guys to take over. Right. You know, regular season or whatever, there you got a lot of rotation stuff, but that's what I'll say about Bancaro is he's taken over when Duke needed him the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I sort of can't imagine passing on him at this point at number one, but it's not my pick to make. Um, in the other final four matchup, it's Villanova and Kansas. The Jayhawks are four point favorites at points bet currently, but uh, Tom, there is a notable injury in this one. Nova guard Justin Moore tore his Achilles, one of their leading scorers. So looking at this one, big picture, and looking at that injury, how do you approach this game? The Sure. I mean, that, that listen, that's a huge, huge injury for Villanova. This line probably two points if he plays. The I, I think Villanova is going to stay close in this game for a okay. while. Uh, I, I would look at them in the first half. I also like the first half under a 62 and a half. These games have started slowly, and we know Villanova is going to try to make that pace slow as possible. So I think this could be where Kansas pulls away in the last 10 minutes of the game because you could see Villanova maybe running out of gas. They don't they don't play a lot of guys, and now one of their starters is out. Right. So I, I like a competitive close first half with Kansas probably pulling away in the second half. Okay. Uh, do you see any prospects in this game that uh, you know with with legit NBA futures on either side? Yeah, I think a lot of the guys in this game are probably going to be better college players yeah. than pro players. You know, obviously Abaji for Kansas is, is one of them. Um, maybe a Samuels for Villanova is going to be a guy who can get in the NBA and do the dirty work. Not right. going to be a superstar, but it's going to get rebounds, you know, score you a few points off the bench. Those are probably the top two guys. You know, David McCormick's a big guy, but he's more of a college player, in my opinion. Uh, Gillespie, very good college player. Not sure how he transfers over to the pro game. Right. So, yeah, those are the two guys I, I would look at most as Abaji and Samuel. Although I did hear that Gillespie has patterned his game after Jalen Brunson, who's like his mentor. So maybe maybe he can be the next Jalen Brunson. Yeah, and I, you know, he's one of those guys who always over, you know, over exceeds yeah. expectations. So maybe he does go to the NBA and makes a big impact. But for me, he looks like a really good college player. Uh, well, Tom, we're almost out of time. I, I don't know that we, we didn't properly take a moment to uh, mourn your Auburn ticket. What was it, 70 to 1? Um, I felt for you there. Yeah, that... We could have mourned that in February, to be honest with you. If they, if they held the tournament in January, I'd be I'd be Man. sitting pretty right now. But unfortunately, they did in March, and Auburn uh, they lost their steam. Man, I don't mean to bring up a sore spot, but I legit when Auburn lost, I still got Kansas. 
I still got Kansas 18 to one. Let's okay. go Jayhawks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Still alive. Tom, thanks as always, man. Good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me. Okay. See ya. All right. The breaker stone breaker is here to finish this thing off. Brad coming down the stretch here. We've already talked Orlando magic playing a vital role in our fantasy leagues. The Portland trailblazers are also really one of the most intriguing teams. I mean, other, along with the Thunder, I mean, who else is more interesting than this Portland team if we're talking silly season heroes? Uh, so where do you want to start when it comes to Portland? Yeah, I mean, I they could arguably be the silliest of the season, silly the season silliest. heroes. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm going to start with Drew Eubanks here. Um, if if you want a silly season hero, he he's your guy. I mean, he's really the only center left on the team. Yusuf Nurkic is out for the season as of a few days ago. Um, Larry Nance maybe could have played some five, but they shipped him out. Um, Eubanks has been a sixth rounder over the past month, but in his nine games over the past two weeks, he's been the 41st best fa- fantasy player in the league. I mean, that, that's better than Mikhail Bridges, Jordan Poole, Levine, Anthony Edwards, like just better than these like big name, like just studs. He wasn't being a big defense guy, which kind of weighed his da- uh, value down a bit. But then on Monday right. in that overtime uh, loss to the Thunder, I don't know if you saw any of that game, but I saw on, I saw on Twitter that someone said it was like, the best worst game of all time or something yeah 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 just hilarious but he he went off for 27 14 three assists three steals and two blocks and just one turnover in 41 minutes while only missing two of his 14 shots from the field i mean if we see a better game than this from him i'll I'll be a little surprised but the numbers don't lie and whether it's opportunity alone or he's actually getting better at being productive he's still getting it done uh so do you think well those defensive numbers, those three steals, two blocks uh, on Monday, do you think he could maybe carry some of that momentum over? Or do you think like oh, kind of fluky, like lots of minutes, more stats sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, that seems a little bit like, I don't know, the outlier when you look at his recent game log. But no, not a lot of question for me about the points and rebounds yeah. and just overall, overall value. I, I wouldn't be banking on the three steals, two blocks. But by the way, that been that best worst game ever. <laughs> Brandon Williams had 25 points, four rebounds, 12 assists, four steals, and five threes on a very classic Brandon Williams shooting split of eight for 20 and four for six. Yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on this guy? Because I just when I thought it was safe to drop him, I think he came off the bench one game. He has come roaring back. Yeah, he he was benched, and I I think I had him in a league I'm still alive in, and I was kind of worried, and then he went back in, and... Yeah, I don't. I don't know what Portland's doing. Who does? <laughs> anyway, I mean the percentages okay. are are just killer. I mean he he had one game recently. It was like eleven of seventeen <clears throat> from the line or something, and that's just yeah. huge volume yeah. for to be tanking free throws like that. But I guess if you're fighting in a points league, he's a little more a little more valuable. But the both percentage categories are 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 just pretty consistently killing you if if you're riding with him. But the the yeah counting stats are are appealing for sure though i mean i don't know for me it's like i think i've reached a point where especially in a you know, league where i have like injuries and i need production um guys who have a big ceiling on any given night i think you bench this guy at your own peril honestly yeah because yeah. that like that last stat line really pops i mean for for as erratic as he is he did have an 11 for 11 from the free throw line game recently yeah. so I don't know. I mean, this guy's getting you a lot of steals that the dimes are picking up lately. I have a hard time benching him, and I, and I know there's a chance for horrendous shooting. Yeah. I think you just kind of shut your eyes, put him <laughs> in your lineup, 
And uh, at least the best case scenario is really good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just the risk you're willing to take and you go in expecting some awful percentages. And if they're not, then you're pleasantly surprised sort of thing. I, I guess that's how, I, how I'd go with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, we're down to about a minute left. Are you ready to move to uh, to the next topic or do you want to stay in Portland another second here? No, yeah, we can we can spend a minute. Um, I'm a, This is more of just an appreciation segment for DeAnthony yeah. Melton. I mean, in five games from March 20th to 28th, he's not even playing 23 minutes per game, and he's scoring more than 20 points per game, get five boards and 5.23s, uh, fourth round numbers, and saying he's a fit, he's being efficient from from range. I don't even know if that does it justice. He's yeah. 26 out of 43, 60.1% from from deep in those five games, and it, it's not like it's just like a one two game stretch where he like all of a sudden got hot. This is five games in a row where he's hit. Yeah a ton of threes and not only is he top fit top 70 over the past two weeks but he's in that five game span he's been a fourth round guy like i said so my i guess my last question why in the world especially without john murray still being out for a week why are they not playing him 30 minutes 28 minutes a night i don't know and and multiple other guys out multiple other guys out on monday like jaron jackson jr was out I'm at a loss on this one, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fourth round value, like you said, five in a five game stretch in just 22 minutes. I mean, obviously he's he's unsustainably hot from three, but also his his defensive stats have been much lower than what we typically expect lately. 0.8 steals, no blocks in his last five games. He's he's sort of a defensive stats dynamo, and the uh-huh. threes would just be a bonus. So I can't figure it out. I don't I don't know what you know they think might happen if they play DeAnthony Melton 28 or 32 minutes. <laughs> But they do not like doing it. I, mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably get a steal or two a game, and yeah, I, maybe he doesn't want that. But that would, that would just be gold. He's only a point eight per game over the last like two weeks. But yeah, he's at one and a half steals on the season, which is just incredible. So if those yeah. ever go back up, and he keeps up the shooting at all, I mean, yeah, game over. He's gonna be really good. I mean, he's at the top of the list. It's a very short list of guys who would be ahead of him in terms of. In a dream scenario, you would just love to see this guy getting 34 minutes on a terrible team. I mean, it would be so fun. Yeah, He'd be like a second or third round fantasy pick probably. (laughs) I think easily, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, on that note, Brad, we we can dream, but I think we're living in the low 20s no matter what happens here. (laughs) I I know. Face the facts. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We'd appreciate that. A reminder, we're here on a three-day-per-week schedule now, so we'll be back on Friday to talk some waiver wire pickups, more silly season stuff. And I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live. And thanks to all of our writers, Ryan, Raff, Tom, and you, Brad. Thanks for sticking around. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. 
They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.